I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Halloween's the most intricate timeline of any franchise. Do you want me to quickly take you through how ridiculous yes, it is? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. So bad. This is Matt Gorley. You may know him as the co-host on the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast. Okay, so tell me we're going to start the podcast. Okay, you're Conan now, and I'll be yeah. uh, I'll be Matt Gorley. I'm just put down my banjo and my <laughs> uh, antique felt hat. But he also makes another show. Most appropriate to this episode today is that I do a podcast with Paul Rust called With Gorley and Rust, where we tend to tackle horror franchises one mini season at a time. And right now, he's taking us through the convoluted chronology of all the Halloween movies. Halloween 1 comes out. Then two years later... Halloween 2, which is a direct sequel and takes place the same night. So it picks up right where the second one oh, left like off. Like Weekend at Bernie's 2. Yes. Then John Carpenter, who created this series, didn't want to continue on with it. So they took a real left turn with Halloween 3, where they decided they were going to start a franchise series. And Halloween 3 has nothing to do with Michael Myers other than you see a commercial for the movie Halloween in the background on a TV. And it tanked. So then the franchise died. And then in the late 80s, they came back with three more installments, four, five, and six, that were about Jamie Lee Curtis's character's daughter. Uh Oh, part six, by the way, has two versions because it completely fell apart. The character of Dr. Loomis died during the filming. And um, both versions are completely unintelligible. And they're they're kind of fun to watch in that (laughs) sense, too. There's one point where Michael Myers can't go chase people down a hallway because someone has placed ancient runes on the ground like cultish runes and he sees them and is like why are we going through this wild chronology of halloween well maddie ryan and i are about to have a sleepover we're going to stay up late and watch a bunch of horror movies and we wanted matt to give us some ideas of what we should watch he started with recommending halloween and guess what he's still going H2O is the seventh installment. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis at a later date, and they wiped away all the previous Halloween movies except for part one and part two. So then the next movie is Halloween Resurrection, which stars Tyra Banks and Busta Rhymes. And it's a reality show set within Michael Myers' house. Can you spend the night in Michael Myers' old house? And in the end, Busta Rhymes kills michael myers with a karate moves and it just it felt contractual yeah buster rhyme said if you want me in this movie i I get to kick michael myers ass because no one's ever done it before and i'm buster rhymes it's in the name i get to choreograph it yeah look cool (laughs) that is very much trick or treat motherfucker jamie lee curtis dies in the beginning of that movie but they continue that storyline on then that thread stops and Rob Zombie comes in and remakes the original Halloween and wipes everything away, all the previous movies. 
Then he does his own sequel. Then that stops. And then David Gordon Green and Danny McBride come along and do this new trilogy that just came out, which wipes away all the movies except for part one. It doesn't even have the sequel involved because in the sequel, it's revealed that Michael Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis's character are brother and sister, which John Carpenter has since said was a dumb move. And he was just trying to like one up Darth Vader being Luke's father by having some little twist. In that. <laughs> He's so rad. And when those movies came out, was there like a title card that's like, okay. No, forget okay. everything. You, you're, you're allowed to like the first one, no. but this one does not take into account I know, there should be. Just figure that out. So you can watch, I think, four or five separate Forks in the Road timelines, all based off Mm -hmm. the original movie, and one of them not even based off that. It's it's ridiculous. Ridiculous is right. Thirteen ridiculous movies. Will we watch them all? No. But we got other recommendations from Matt. I really, really enjoy Terror Train. Have you seen Misery? The Hand with Michael Caine. We want to immerse ourselves in scary cinema, pick apart the lighting tricks, the jump scares, the special effects, and the surprising twists. So maybe at the end of our horror movie, it was all a dream. It's on the table. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's probably... okay. You guys all all just look so (laughs) worried. I said said yes. (laughs) On this episode, we are learning how to scare. That's nice. Yeah, it is nice. And, uh... It's Friday night. The 13th? No, but still kind of scary, right? Friday, the scariest day of the week, next to Wednesday. Guess it's kind of a jar. I'll just. Mark? Hello? Mark? We're here, Wrestling. Oh my god! Dude! Oh, welcome to Horror Sleepover Movie Night! Maddie and Ryan are coming over to my house for a horror movie scarathon, a cinematic smorgas blood, a lalapa booza. Make yourself at home, except don't sit there; it's broken. Okay. Uh, can I get you anything? We have water. In a few weeks, we're going to make our short horror film. It's about a monster with black eyes calmly trying to get through a sliding patio door. Freaky, right? Oh, I'll make popcorn. Okay, let me just make But that idea is all we have right now. We haven't started writing a script. We got nothing. It'll be two minutes. Don't stand so close to the microwave, Mark. You're I have to see that it's popping. You're pressing your face right up against. And so tonight, we're going to watch a bunch of movies that are not only intended to inspire us to make a horror movie, or in Maddie's case, introduce her to horror movies. We want to learn something pretty specific. How to scare. Okay, is everybody cozy? Yeah, thanks for the blankets. You're welcome. And so, we're going to watch these films to analyze what makes them scary. What techniques do they use to induce fear? The lighting, the music, the acting, the effects. And what techniques can we try to steal for our own movie? Borrow. Borrow. And since we're making a short, we started by watching one of the most successful horror short films of the last few years. I think this one is the gold standard of all of them. And it's called Lights Out. Oh, I love this one. Yeah. Have you seen it, Maddie? Of course not. It's so good. And they actually created a, a 
based on the success of this, I think they made a, a, a full-length feature. It's pretty cool. It's under three minutes. It's like a concept that I think we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. They turned into something very terrifying. Okay, so let's watch it. So, Lights Out is about a woman going to bed, but when she turns out the light in the hallway... <gasps> There's a guy. She sees the silhouette of what looks like a man. There's a very weird shadow. It's getting closer. Oh. And that's gone. Keep the light on, idiot. And that's what she does. In fact, she uses duct tape on the light switch to keep it on. No dialogue, too. And then she goes to bed. But the light in the hallway turns off. Oh, he got the light, her off. Now the lights go off in the hallway. Uh, I'm going to throw up. She hides under the covers. I don't think the covers are going to save you, lady. I'm watching with one eye. And there he is. Oh. It's over. And there it was. Horrible. Horrible in the sense that you thought it was a bad horror short or horrible because you were horrified by it and the scariness. Just feel so scared now. Yeah. So it did. So it worked. Great. (laughs) But like there was nice misdirection in there, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was like something to remember. Like you look up, everything's fine. She goes back into the covers. She comes up. She looks to the left. Everything's fine. She looks to the right. Boom. I think the, the, the thing I'm most impressed by is that just the lights on, lights off at the beginning where when they go off, there's clearly a silhouette of something. Mm-hmm. When it goes on, it's it's gone. Just that simple trick, even though it's like not a trick, but it, it's enough that it seems like it could be her imagination or a trick of the light. Mm. thought that was like, that simple stuff is really great. Totally. What happens in the feature film? I Did don't you? know. Never seen it. I never saw it either. Maddie? <laughs> <laughs> Our horror fest went on all night. We watched movies that blended horror and comedy, like Gremlins. So Gremlins are not Furbies. No. (laughs) You've ruled that out. We turned off all the lights and watched The Ring. Oh, no. No. She's come out of the TV. Here she comes. What if she comes out of our TV right now? That's the thing. That's what you're supposed to worry about. We noticed in Matt Gorley's pick, Halloween, they use a really cool trick to hide the villain, Michael Myers, in the shadows for a great jump scare. Whoa. We should talk to uh, like a lighting designer. <laughs> yeah. That's hard to do. Yeah. You can't just like, because we're going to be probably like relying a lot of practical light. Mm-hmm. Like this is how it looks, you know, based, I don't know, maybe we're going to, but like, it would be fun to talk to someone about like how to even attempt to use shadows. Then in a surprise twist, Maddie put on Nightmare on Elm Street. So, you know, Freddy Krueger, he kills you while you're sleeping. Yeah, right, 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 right. We liked one scene in particular where Freddy Krueger is chasing a woman in an alley. Oh, no. And look, his arms are getting long. Oh, it's so scary. His arms get freakishly long, and he moves in this almost silly way. But when a human moves in a non-human way, Mm. it's terrifying. I think also that, like, when that is how nightmares feel, where you're just like, oh, it's random, you're Mm -hmm. running around, someone's Mm -hmm. chasing you. Like, it does, even though it's, like, kind of a bad horror movie, it is a realistic nightmare. Totally. Mm -hmm. We also liked the blood. Something about the, like, aesthetic, though, of, like, the traditional red blood that doesn't really look like blood. It looks like like a horror movie. Like, there's something cool about it. I think so, too. Yeah. Campy. And then, at around midnight, we put on a scene from one of my favorite horror movies, Poltergeist. Okay, so uh, uh, this is a scene from the movie Poltergeist. It's a really quick scene. I wanted you to watch it because it's, in theory... Anyone can do this scene. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. It's like it takes no effects. Mm. It just takes a couple of guys that you don't see in the in uh, off camera doing something. Um, mm. I love it. So let's just have a look. Cool. 
In this scene, weird things are happening in a house, and the mother accuses her daughter of pushing the chairs away from the kitchen table. Then she walks across the room, and the camera follows her, and when she comes back, she finds the chairs stacked on top of the table. Oh, it's beautiful. So she leaves. She goes off. She goes. <laughs> she goes off camera. Then and she just picks something up. And in real time, what they really do in the movie is they really like three or four people just go and stack these stack chairs, the chairs up really quickly. And then you you go back and the chairs are stacked in an impossible way that Carol Ann couldn't have done. See, that's cool. I like it a lot because it's a practical effect that doesn't cost anything, except for the cost of chairs. That's something we could do. Not yeah. that exact thing, but something yeah. like that. Yeah. I remember or maybe that exact thing. <laughs> All of these movies were giving us inspiration on what to do in our film. But we also wanted to learn what not to do. And we had a perfect movie to teach us that. The Hand with Michael Caine. When talking to Matt Gorley, he was adamant that we watch The Hand starring Michael Caine. I think it's from 1980, mm. and he's uh, uh, he's a comic book artist artist that gets in a car accident, and loses his hand, and his hand starts to act out all his repressed anger and kill people for him. Wow. His severed hand, lost <laughs> oh, at the crime scene or the accident scene, it finds its way across country to kill around? people like for him. This? Yeah, like cross country. Yeah, it yeah. does the telephone phone book. Let your fingers do the walking. Yes, <laughs> sexy lady. <laughs> I, I won't say what the ultimate deal is with it, but I will say this. This movie is written and directed by Oliver Stone. It's, I think his sec second movie, I forget. And the best, there's a fight. Michael Caine has a fight with his own hand at one point. And the best part about it is, so he's holding a prosthetic hand up to his neck, right? The hand is strangling him and he's holding the wrist of the hand strangling him. But he can't pull it away. Even though the hand is not connected to anything, it still somehow has like physical leverage over him, like a, like a full-bodied human. It's my own hand! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not that it's clinging on to his neck. It's still inches from his neck, but he can't like it's oh, I see. can't keep it. Oh, at bay. Oh, oh. I see. I see. I see. It's really so. It just it just that. It's just so little. A hand is so little. Even if you have a big hand, it's really it's like being afraid of a rodent. It's like a marmoset coming across the country to kill people. Yeah, I just want to quickly circle back. I just learned that Oliver Stone is in the hand. He has a part. He plays a yeah. bum. He is, does he have a? Is that, yeah, and he is a, it's a tour de force performance. Oh, it really is. In fact, I think he's the maybe the first or second victim of the hand. Okay. So you have Oliver Stone, future director and interviewer of Vladimir Putin, yeah. directing himself <laughs> being killed by Michael Caine's severed hand <laughs> as like a, like not just a, a homeless person, but I'm talking classic golden age cinema, you know, wino with the five yeah, o'clock yeah. shadow and the old fedora kind of like, what are you kids doing? <laughs> with that rousing endorsement, we had to put it on and it was, well, Maddie sums it up best. I don't really, <laughs> I don't get what's going on. If we're looking for what not to do, yeah. I think the main takeaway here is have your story make sense. A lot of it was over the top and really confusing. There was one scene, however, that was visceral. It's early in the film, 
Michael Caine is the passenger in a car that is trying to pass a truck on a two-lane road. Oh, he puts his arm out oh the window. Then another car is coming toward him, and a third car is blocking them from returning to their lane. Then Michael Caine sticks his hand out the window to wave them back. Am I, am I making sense? I'm not sure I am. But anyway, there's a crash, and he loses his hand. Something. Is he saying hand? Is he saying ah, hand? My hand. My hand, right. And as clumsy as it was, there was something unsettling about it. Oh, wow. I hated oh, wow. that so much. That's something that could happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, that just felt like a... It did just make me literally think about my hand getting cut off, and yeah. that gave me a horrible, horrible feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was kind of helpful, I guess. Or, no, not really. Yeah, does anyone want to watch, like, a, a Full House or something kind of cleanse the palate? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk Let's about do it. scary. Yeah. Anyway, pretty soon it was time to go to sleep. And in the morning, as the sun rose on our fright night sleepover, we talked about what inspired us. How did you all sleep last night? Um, Terrible. Not well. Nightmares. Yeah. Well, I had to keep the light on. I noticed that, um, and I kept turning it off. I kept going. It was to, you? Yeah, I kept going <laughs> to the end of the hall and turning off the light. Darn it, Mark. Yeah. Uh, I want to I learn about some lighting stuff. Like mm. you said, Mike, I want to learn at least one lighting trick because I know yeah. none right now. Yeah. I don't know how much lighting we'll have access to. I really want to talk to someone about music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you brought it up. This like the simplicity of what we can do to try to make people scared with our limited resources. Like panning the camera yeah. away, changing one thing, opening a door behind us. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like how, how creative can we be with spending no money and just making a just an interesting thing happen. The sleepover gave us a good list of tricks and techniques we wanted to employ in our movie, from lighting to practical effects. But how do we actually pull these things off? We have no idea. Good thing we found someone who does. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Uh, is this when I go? Yeah, just go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I am Gary Michael Schultz. I am a filmmaker and a horror movie enthusiast. Gary Michael Schultz is a prolific DIY filmmaker. He directed the 2013 horror film Devil in My Ride, starring horror legend Sid Haig. You fellas have really gotten into a mess. Doreen is possessed by the the demon. You have 72 hours to free your soul, and the only exorcism priest I know is living on the streets of Las Vegas. And we need him because we don't know what we're doing. Can you tell me what, like, just like, can you really brass tacks this? Like, I don't know how to make a short horror movie. Like, we have iPhones. Like, I assume, like, you know, we'll we'll have we'll have a little bit of like sound help. You know, we've got some equipment. I yeah. don't know anything about lighting. You know, okay. I mean, I, I do, but I don't. Like, what? <laughs> like, what? Like, I don't want to speak. There's a for lot my, of things we don't know. <laughs> yes, um, but that's okay. But, but like, that's okay. But you know, crash course, like. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you know, what, yeah. like, like where, where does the money go? You know, like, okay. Uh, well you want to get as much stuff as you can mm-hmm. for free, mm-hmm. obviously. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're going to make a short horror film. First thing we're going to do is we're going to put together an undeniable killer 10 page or under mm-hmm. script. All right. We would love it. If our short horror film was five or six minutes, man, if mm-hmm. you can put together a killer five minute short, it's the kind of short that, uh, back in the festival days would get more of a run because, uh, they would often play shorts in front of the features when you go right. to a festival. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if your shorts five minutes long, it's going to get programmed a lot more than if it's 15 yeah. minutes, cause they may put two mm-hmm. or three of those five minute ones in front, but you may only get one 15 minute. So keep it yeah. tight. Mm-hmm. Keep it scary. You know, if it's a five minute short one minute in, we already want like 30 seconds in, we want an inciting incident to happen right. a minute and a half. And we want a turning point, mm-hmm. you know, four minutes in, we want to be into our climax. Like everything just kind of gets, you can't see this on a podcast. Um, <laughs> it gets squished together. Let the record show he's making the squished motions with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, also, what do you have at your disposal? You know, mm-hmm. you just said the iPhone. Uh, fortunately, the iPhone has an awesome camera in it yeah. nowadays. You mm-hmm. could totally make a horror film with an iPhone. I would say what I would do then is I would make sure that my sound is really taken care of. Audiences almost sometimes will be more forgiving at a horror movie that looks bad than a horror mm-hmm. movie that mm-hmm. sounds mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. get yourself a sound guy. Make sure that dialogue is warm mm. and clear and people understand what's happening. Mm. And then when you sound design the film, sound design is yeah. so important to horror. You know, it's a big tool in building suspense, you know, uh, what you put in and, and, and take away. The, the example that everyone kind of points to is Jaws. That film, one of the most famous themes, the dun, 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 mm-hmm. you know? And it does that every single time that the shark is coming up, except for once. It doesn't do it once. In the climax when Roy Schneider's hung over and then the shark right. bursts out of the water and just raw, there's no music score underneath it. Cause Spielberg mm-hmm. just spent an hour and a half programming us to know sharks coming, right. sharks coming. And then he drops it on us. You know, that sound design, that simple giving and taking oh, away, man. you know, just makes that scare. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it becomes one of the biggest scares of all time. So I would say like, whatever means you can use to film on, put it together. Uh, get as much stuff as you can for free. Uh, the locations, try to keep them. If you can do it all in one location that you can get for free, do it because mm-hmm. you're going to need to feed your crew for the two or three days you're going to be filming. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to have things that are going to cost money, like hard drives. Yeah. Right. Um, you're going to borrow a computer to edit on. So you don't right. have to spend money on that. Mm. Uh, you're going to go to the local film school and you're going to find yourself a couple of really sharp yeah. students that are really hungry and want to yeah. work for free, but you're going to also give them opportunities to work on cool mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, as someone that worked at a film school for so long, that's how I made so many of my shorts was I became a mentor to a lot of students and I would bring them on and I would give them real mm-hmm. stuff to do. You're not just getting my coffee. We're going to make a film cool. together. You know, um, and so get help by doing that. The biggest thing you can do, and this is going to sound weak, but it's so true. is just ask, you mm-hmm. know, it's not as, 
if you grow up in small town America, making a movie is super exciting and people all want to get involved. You don't really get that thrill in Los Angeles quite mm-hmm. the same, mm-hmm. but ask people want to get involved in movies. Movies are still mm-hmm. exciting. It's mm-hmm. fun to be involved in that. And there are very few things more fun than a horror movie, man. Throwing fake blood around <laughs> is a blast. Maddie, your, your opinion is going to change so hard by the end of this. You're going to become, you're going to be the biggest fan by the end of this because you're going to have more fun making a horror movie than any other genre. Watch. (laughs) Um, I, so we'd be remiss to not kind of get into uh, a little bit of like, as a writer, as we go into writing our, our Mm. script, like how, how, how do you build suspense Mm. uh, on the script? And when you're, and when you're filming it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like filmmaking is, beyond me at this point <laughs> but, no. but you know all of but, our questions are like how do you do it <laughs> yes how do you do it yeah. and i feel like it's hard to give a direct answer in a short yeah, amount yeah. of time of course yeah. um, of course but uh uh well the first rule of writing that they always teach you and that i always taught was uh write mm-hmm. what you know mm-hmm. okay um that doesn't mean the character has to be mm-hmm. you but there are always the character little... is going shopping <laughs> yeah, okay. and then what happens when they go yeah. shopping yeah so the inciting incident is the characters going shopping. Mm-hmm. What happens next? They get locked in a dressing room. Scary. Okay? <laughs> Turning point is what's on the other side of the dressing room door. Something scarier. I'm asking you, Maddie. Um, the side of the dressing room door. A monster. Yes. A monster. <laughs> yes. All right. Now, how are we going to get out this door? We have to defeat the monster to do it. Right? Not, that, and you know what? Like, right what you know, it, it, it comes together. But we're, so we're three comedians. Yes. Um, and I, I feel like there's a, there's a, I mean, I think this isn't news. Like there's a real connection between writing a joke and writing like a suspense or like, you yep. know, making, making somebody scared. Do you, when, like, do you write, do you write gags? Like, do you have like, they dig 100%. the grave. There's a thing that they see. It's, it's not the real scary thing, but the actual scary thing pops out. <laughs> Pardon yeah, my vocabulary. Yeah. Like, no, no, that, no, that's great. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's very similar, you know, um, part of what makes a horror movie really enjoyable is when you infuse fun into it. Now, mm. fun can be a joke or fun can be terrifier too, where it's so ridiculously obnoxiously <laughs> disgusting and you're kind of like, I'm having fun. <laughs> um, but there's some kind of, but there's an energy involved in that. That's kind of insane, yeah. but is kind of fun. Um, but much like a joke where there is a setup and then there's a direction you think you're taking the joke in, but then you flip it the mm. other way. You flip mm. it on its side mm. where there's a juxtaposition where maybe you didn't see the joke going this way. And then the punchline comes in. Horror movie is like that. There's a lot of sleight of hand, you know, I'm digging the grave and I'm making you think a zombie's going to come out of the grave. But when I get in there, the grave's yeah. empty and the zombie's yeah. behind me. Misdirection is key yeah. in yeah. your short. So mm. how you build scares, misdirection is one tool. Uh, letting the audience feel safe for a moment Mm-hmm. before you come in and scare mm-hmm. the crap out of them. And things as simple as what's on the other yeah. side of the door, what's in the darkness. You can be a small kid and dark bedroom was like the scariest thing totally. growing up. You know, Think about how long it would take you to walk down the dark hallway yeah. of your home if you were afraid of something. You know, I had an uncle, this just, you guys, oh my God, trauma just hit me. I had an uncle <laughs> one time that scared the living crap yeah. out of me. And I remember I was a little kid and my mom was in on it 
And we were at the house and I heard something in the bathroom down at the end of the hallway. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, go see what that was. And for some reason, I'm remembering Twizzlers. I think I was okay. eating a Twizzler. And I went down to it and my uncle hid in the shower and jumped out and no. scared the living crap out. I was mad at him for years. <laughs> that sounds like he right? might still be mad at him. And everyone him. thought it was funny. I, I might be. Um, so, <laughs> um, so uh, you know... Um, just that anticipation yeah. of, of yeah. what is in there. And I remember walking into that bathroom and, okay, it's dark. And then he pulled the shower curtain back because he was in the shower. So I went to the dark bathroom, relief, there's nothing in there. Shower curtain, <laughs> oh my God. So it's always about that extra, okay, we're safe. No, you're not. Mm, right. Mm. That's great. That's, I mean, just the just the digging, there's nothing in the hole. There's somebody, that the things behind, like that. That dis that distillation is very helpful. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. to me. yeah, and, and you know, um, uh, building suspense and horror, I think is one of the hardest things to do. But it, it will if you do it though, it will make your short horror film successful. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like uh, it could be as simple at your your short horror film could be that it could be mm -hmm. about a kid who's just going down the dark hallway. And then he gets there and there's nothing really there. And he's like, oh, okay. And then something jumps out and scares the crap out of him in the audience. That's and that's true. our short horror film. It's 90 okay. seconds long. Right. It still works because it's still giving me a visceral reaction, that adrenaline still going afterwards. You know, I have this very safe release <laughs> Yeah. Um, where I can explore those fears without having to put myself in real danger. You know, mm -hmm. horror is one of the best genres at subverting and contextualizing okay. things, you know, yeah. what, what our fears represent and what they represent to a character. You know, I am afraid of something because of why, and then you go back and you dig into that trauma and then hopefully you find a way to work through it. Right. And horror, you know what it is? Horror is therapy. That's Boom. your sound. <laughs> we got it. We got it. We got it right near the end of the interview. We got it. Thank you so much. We'll send you our, we'll send you our rough cut when we have it for you to peruse. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when you guys get to that part of the production, if you ever need to hit me up for anything, Thank I'm you. here, man. Thank I'll you so it. much. Can you direct it and write it? Yeah. Can you do it? <laughs> <laughs> From what not to do with a severed hand to jump scare misdirection. This week, we went heavy on horror theory, but now we have to put it into practice. Next time, we're going to start talking about actually making this movie. And since comedy and horror are related, like we discussed with Gary, are we going to have an unfair advantage making our little short? According to Ronnie Chang from The Daily Show and the horror film Megan, no, we are not. Uh, so I think we would probably lean more towards something more psychological horror or something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, know what? you don't think we can pull that off? Uh, no, it is psychological. All <laughs> oh, my in-laws are coming. I don't know what's up. <laughs> That's next time on Let's Make a Horror. Let's Make a Horror is a production of CBC Podcasts and Kelly and Kelly. Created by Kelly and Kelly. Hosted by Ryan Beal, Mark Chavez, and Maddie Kelly. This episode was written and produced by Dave Shumka and Chris Kelly. For Kelly and Kelly, the executive producers are Lauren Berkovich and Pat Kelly. Associate producer, Rebecca Peng. For CBC, Anna Ashite is the coordinating producer. Jeff Turner is the senior producer. The executive producer is Chris Oak. And RF Narani is the director of CBC Podcasts. Our theme song is by Chris Kelly. Hello. 
Hello? Who, who is this? Who is this? Cosmo? Cosmo? For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.